Well, good morning, everyone. I'd like to uh, start today with a little story. Some of you know uh, Elder James, who used to be known as uh, Chaplain James. And before he went into the military, he had a little church that he pastored. And one of the things that became aggravating to James as he preached is there was an older gentleman that would sit in the front row that pretty much about 10 minutes into the sermon would fall asleep. And not only would he fall asleep, he would be snoring very loudly. It got so bad that the people of the church began placing bets on the exact moment and second this guy would fall asleep and start snoring. So James would see money changing hands and snickering. And he was just perplexed about what to do. So he prayed about it. And then he decided that when that Sunday morning occurred, he had a special plan. So sure enough... 10 minutes and 10 seconds into the sermon, the guy went out cold. And James immediately seized on the opportunity, said, Congregation, all you who are going to heaven, please stand up now. So, of course, everyone in the church stood up except for the guy that was sleeping. He said, Thank you. You may be seated. Now, all of those of you who are going to the other place, stand up now. And the guy jumped to his feet. He said, Pastor, I don't know what you said, but you and I are the only ones standing. <laughs> it's, always, it's always hard to transition from that to, to something more serious, but uh, anyway, James told me he would get me back at a later date. So um, Dennis uh, prayed um, about the anniversary of 9-11. And uh, this morning, as I was eating breakfast and getting ready to come, I watched uh, some of the scenes that happened and caused me to go back and relive that day. Very, very tragic day in American history. And uh, unfortunately, uh, in, the, in the days to come, we're going to see more things like that happening around the world as I uh, get into the book of Revelation and explain these things. So let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get started. Lord, thank you for this day. I want to echo the prayer of Dennis as he prayed, Lord, for the families of those who went through this horrible, horrible loss. And there's still people, Lord, living with injuries, people living with cancer from inhaling uh, all the debris, um, just people that are still remembering that day and, and suffering. We want to just pray, Lord, that you will draw them to yourself if they don't know you. And I do pray for the protection of our nation, and I echo the prayers of Dennis, that our nation would come back and seek you first. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, last week I introduced uh, part one of the message, and we looked at passages from the book of Matthew, uh, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians, and I did a little introduction into the book of Revelation, and we briefly talked about the first three chapters. The church is not mentioned from chapter 3 until chapter 19 in the book of Revelation, because the main focus is on Israel, and Israel are God's elect people. I have a major task for part two, and that's to cover chapters 4 to 22. I got 30 minutes, 31 minutes left to do so. It gives me about two minutes per chapter. So what I'm going to do 
is I am going to tell this kind of in a story form. Perhaps sometime this fall or winter, we will conduct um, some sort of Bible study on that. If you have further interest, you can uh, let us know. All right, so we get to chapter 4 of Revelation. And once again, we believe that the church was raptured after chapter 3, and the church is no longer on earth. I mentioned last week that I don't believe that Christians will go through the tribulation period. I believe that the rapture, the calling up of Christians, will occur before the tribulation period begins. I also mentioned that I believe that God is going to spare the Christian church from this trial that's going to come upon the earth. We mentioned how Noah built an ark over a period of over 100 years, and that him and his family were rescued as God destroyed the wicked people on the earth back then. We also mentioned that Lot and his family were, were spared. Things were so bad in Sodom and Gomorrah that when the angels came to warn Lot that he needed to get his family out of there, the men of the city surrounded the house and they sought to molest the angels that were there. The city of Sodom and Gomorrah had moved away from the biblical covenant of a marriage between one man and one woman, mentioned in Genesis 2, 19, mentioned also in Genesis 2, 23 and 24, and mentioned several times by Jesus in the Gospels as he went back and quoted the book of Genesis. So Lot and his family were spared the devastation that came upon Sodom and Gomorrah. So once again, most biblical scholars believe we're going to be raptured before this great trial begins. In chapter 5, Christ receives the title deed of the universe, which he created and which he owns. The events leading up to this follow as the seven-seal book is in the right hand of God, the Lamb, who's the Lord Jesus Christ, is declared worthy to receive this book. And at this time, the living creatures and the elders worship Christ. The angels join in with the worship, and all creation joins as well. I can't put all that on the slides because there would be a, a lot of notes on that. <clears throat> now we come to Revelation 6 to Revelation 8, in which we have the sealed judgments occurring. So I'm going to very quickly go through each of the seals. It's going to move. You're going to have to listen. There's a lot going on here. Seal number one is the judgment of strong delusion. And this is the Antichrist riding on a white horse. The white horse generally represents peace. He comes in as a world leader promising peace, but things turn quickly bad. Christians aren't here because we were raptured. But the people who are left, they are experiencing chaos in the world. You can imagine when the rapture occurs, that there's a pilot flying a plane, and there's no one else that could take over when he's raptured. The plane will crash. There will be people on the highways that are driving their cars, and the driver disappears, and there will be crashes. You can imagine what the financial system is going to look like and the wreckage of all this. So when this guy comes along and he starts offering some hope to the world, they're going to believe that this is a man of God and that he is the Messiah. And he's going to come in once again on this white horse looking like he's a peaceful man. Seal number two is the black horse. The black horse is mentioned in the next three seals, which starts with the judgment of military might. Uh, 
I want you to think about the military might around the world right now. There are a number of countries that possess nuclear weapons. And we saw what happened in Japan uh, with Nagasaki and Hiroshima when the atomic bombs were dropped and the entire city was obliterated. And we have weapons that are way stronger than that now, can take out larger areas. We have chemical weapons, we have biological weapons. And of course, in a lab somewhere, maybe in China, maybe here, maybe in other countries, they have probably some other biological agents that are stronger than the coronavirus, COVID. And you can imagine when this gets released and how many people will die. Seal number three is the judgment of starvation and famine. Many die. This, what, this is what happens when the world is at war, when crops are destroyed and they cannot be replanted because there's warfare going on in that area. They can't be harvested because of the warfare. The most recent example of this is what's happening in Ukraine right now. When Russia invaded Ukraine, their troops stole some of the farm equipment. They destroyed some of the farm equipment. Then Ukrainian farmers were called to join the military to fight against the Russians. As a result, many crops were not planted, specifically wheat and corn. And I watched as a, a guy working with the United Nations that heads a, an organization that tries to distribute food to the poor around the world said, we're not going to have food this winter. They estimate that only a max of 40% of Ukraine's food will be harvested, grown and harvested and distributed to the world. We're going to see prices of food continue to escalate because there are going to be shortages and people in the world are going to be starving as a result of this war. So that represents a little bit of the third seal. The fourth seal is the judgment of wholesale death. You can add disease to those who die, who starve, and who get killed by the military. And I want you to think about this. The coronavirus shut down travel. It caused quarantines. And two and a half years after the outbreak, it is still spreading. Now, fortunately, the symptoms are not as bad as they were two and a half years ago. There are not as many people dying. But I want you to think about this. If that disease stays and if there are other diseases that are introduced, how do you stop a disease in the middle of warfare? In the middle of when people are starving, people are getting killed. How do you stop a disease? How are the hospitals even going to try to do anything? They're going to be taking care of probably a lot of injured people from the warfare and everything else. Seal number five is the judgment of religious persecution. There are going to be Jewish people, and we'll talk about this in a minute, who become believers, and they're going to be martyred for the cause of Christ, and they're going to die during the first half of the tribulation. I want to explain a little something about the tribulation period. We don't know how soon the tribulation is going to occur after the rapture. It may take a little while for the world, to the, the UN, to get organized and for the Antichrist to raise the power. He is going to make a peace treaty with Israel that's going to be a seven-and-a-half-year peace treaty. And when he makes that peace treaty, that is when the tribulation period is going to begin. And that will single the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. The Jews are going to be persecuted during this time. They are the most hated people on earth. Now, we know that minorities here and around the world have been persecuted. We know that they've been killed. They've been mistreated. But remember that Adolf Hitler exterminated six million Jews alone during World War II. And so this 
persecution is going to continue under the reign of the Antichrist. Seal number six is the judgment of natural disturbances. There are going to be worldwide earthquakes, tsunamis, typhoons, hurricanes, wildfires, droughts, etc. And we see all this happening in the world today. Do you remember a couple years ago there was a serious earthquake that hit Puerto Rico? And serious earthquakes that hit Haiti as well. But when that earthquake hit Puerto Rico, there were 500 earthquakes there in 10 days, just in Puerto Rico because of all the aftershocks. 500. Last week, there was a devastating 6.8 earthquake in China that killed dozens and dozens of people and injured hundreds more. I experienced a couple earthquakes in my lifetime. The first one I experienced was in Guatemala on a mission trip. I slept, actually slept through a couple of the minor tremors, but one night we were having praise and worship, and I think, I think we were doing Our God is an Awesome God or something as a song, and we had an earthquake, and the school building we were in, it shook. The light fixtures were going back and forth. I didn't know what to do, and the missionary just said, calm down. This building was built for this. These happen all the time. Don't freak out. But that was my first earthquake. And then, of course, we had the one that hit D.C. a number of years ago, and it rippled through our building, and I knew it was an earthquake because I had experienced it in Guatemala. But these earthquakes are occurring every day all over the world. And my question is, how would Jesus Christ, the Jewish carpenter, know that these earthquakes were going to occur worldwide in greater frequency if he was not the Son of God, if he was not all-knowing? Between the sixth and seventh seals, God saves a remnant of the Jewish people. There are 12,000 Jewish people from the 12 tribes of Israel for a total of 144,000 who have a seal placed on their head, on their forehead, to give them divine protection from the Antichrist so that they can go out and preach the gospel throughout the world. So believe it or not, the gospel is going to spread during the tribulation. Revelation 7-9 says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God. Heaven is going to be all-inclusive for the people around the earth. We have a couple missionaries now. We prayed for Kirsten a couple weeks ago, who's on a 10-month missionary trip. We just sent the Edelins back to Papua New Guinea. And there are others out here on this board that you can look at and pray for. But the neat thing is the gospel will go out during a tribulation period as these people witness, and people will come to Christ, and they will come to Christ from all over the world. The seventh seal is being opened at this time, and this is representing the next set of judgments called the trumpet judgments, and this is going to be a very sobering time. You ain't seen nothing yet. So we'll start with these seven trumpet judgments. The first one is a judgment of hail, lightning, and blood. You guys remember a few years ago there were wildfires in Australia that swept across the nation. They found out that there were 200 arsonists that set these fires all over the country, and they were trying to blame that on global warming. But this was a planned event, and Australia suffered through that. And right after they got most of the wildfires out, they had a tremendous hailstorm there that caused all kinds of damage. And you can, you can Google that if you're just interested in looking into that a little bit more. Right now, there are 33,000 acres in California that are ablaze. Most of those occur because California is so dry and a lightning strike hits and then buildings, houses are burned 
it destroys communities in California and the western states every year. So these are little previews of what is going to be happening, happening in greater frequency during the tribulation period. The second trumpet, a flaming mountain, falls into the sea and it destroys one-third of the sea life and one-third of the ships and probably causes a major tsunami when that occurs. What would this uh, flaming mountain be? Perhaps a meteorite? And if you guys ever watch the news, sometimes you'll hear the NASA scientists saying there's a meteor that's going to miss the Earth by one million miles. And they consider that pretty close in the universe, a million miles. Well, this one's not going to miss. This one's going to hit and cause tremendous devastation. When a third trumpet blows, one-third of the inland waters are going to be poisoned. When a fourth trumpet blows, one-third of the lights of heaven, the stars, the moon, and the sun are darkened, and the dire warning of the last three trumpets is presented. Um, I want to mention about the little darkening there. Some, some Bible scholars believe that the darkening of the stars, the moon, and the sun will occur as the devastation, warfare, nuclear warfare, all this stuff occurs and that stuff goes up into the atmosphere, volcanic explosions, and starts to darken all these, uh, all these places in the universe that help provide light for us. The fifth trumpet is a very scary trumpet for people who are non-believers on the earth. There's going to be the release of demonic locusts from the abyss. They are like flying scorpions with a frightening sound, and their sting causes great pain for five months. Yet those who are stung cannot die, although they wish to. I had that in my lyrics. The men will want to die. They will live in constant fear. Watch the great deceiver. Evil he'll deliver. People will shiver. That was in the lyrics I presented last week. So I believe it's five months of suffering before that sting goes away. All right, the sixth trumpet, we have 200 million soldiers marching, and we have one-third of the world dying from warfare. Now, in today's figures, that would be 2.6 billion people. However, what we have to remember is that billions of people have already died in the world from disease, pestilence, warfare, starvation, wild animal attacks. And so probably at this time, the death toll is going to be in the hundreds of millions because so many people have already died. And I want you to think about this. When I was born in the 1950s, yes, I know that makes me very old. When I was born in the 1950s, there were 3 billion people on the earth. Right now, there are about 8 billion. At this point in the tribulation period, about 4 billion people will be gone from all these warfare and plagues and everything else that's, that's occurring. Now, between the sixth and seventh trumpets, a few events occur. A mighty angel steps foot on the land and announces that there's no more delay. This, this mighty angel is probably Christ himself. The mystery of God is fulfilled, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnate redeemer of the earth. Temple worship is briefly restored. In the time of the Gentiles ruling over Jerusalem, Antichrist and his group is almost over. Three and a half years of tribulation remain, and Jesus called these three and a half years the Great Tribulation, the most horrible period of history on the face of the earth. But something happens. Two witnesses appear, and they begin to preach, and they begin to perform miracles. 
So biblical scholars have mentioned three possible names. I'm going to give you my opinion. It doesn't mean that I'm right, but biblical scholars have mentioned three possibilities. Moses, Elijah, and Enoch. Now, there are only two witnesses to come forward. Some believe that one of them will be Moses because he appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration with Christ. And some of the plagues that we're going to hear about in the next few minutes occurred when Moses went into Egypt to rescue his people. I personally don't think it's Moses because Moses already died. There were two men that never died, Enoch and Elijah. They were both taken up to heaven in a rapture type event. Now, some, once again, some people think it was Moses because the devil contended for Moses' body and he was not able to get Moses' body. I think maybe that was so he could reappear in the, in the um, transfiguration with Christ. But anyway, that's my theory. You can look it up. You can study it a little bit more. The witnesses preach. They can call down fire. They can do all kinds of miracles. And the world doesn't like them. And when they are killed by the beast, by the Antichrist. And when they're killed, they don't even bury their bodies. They leave their bodies laying in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days. And the news media is there, just like it was on 9-11, picturing everything. They're showing the bodies laying on the ground. People from the world are actually sending gifts to each other in celebration of these witnesses being killed. And then something happens. God resurrects them and brings them back into heaven. And then a great earthquake occurs that kills 7,000 people in Jerusalem. Some people think, some scholars think, that maybe these people are some of the celebrities news people from around the world that are glorifying the death of the witnesses? I don't know, but it's a terrible earthquake, and it devastates, it destroys half of Jerusalem. The seventh trumpet is the preview of the final woes and things to come. Now, a quick little summary of uh, Revelation 12 and 13. A woman in travail is introduced, which is basically Israel during the last part of the tribulation, three and a half years. The dragon, who's identified as the serpent, or the devil, or Satan, is introduced, and he gives power to the Antichrist to rule over the revived Roman Empire, probably minus Great Britain. Great Britain pulled out of the European Union uh, a couple years ago. And of course, Queen Elizabeth just passed away this last week, and the thing that I love about Queen Elizabeth, she was a believer in Christ, and she was looking for the Lord's return. She just gets to heaven a little bit earlier than we do. Uh, the male child has to flee from the beast. Uh, scholars believe that, that God has already prepared a haven for the Jewish people to flee to, to save them. But remember, Satan tried to kill Christ when he was a baby. Um, he was killing, Herod ordered the killing of all the male children. I mentioned that last week because he wanted to kill the newborn king, Jesus. So Jesus, Mary, and Joseph had to flee briefly to Egypt until Herod died, and then they were able to come back. Next, we have Michael, the archangel, introduced, and he expels Satan and the demons out of the heavens down to earth for the final part of the tribulation. Satan is extremely angry because he knows his time is short and because the scriptures spell out his doom. So he carries out his anger. He persecutes Israel and all believers that are opposed to him. As the story unfolds, the beast from the sea is announced along with the false prophet. So here's what we have. Satan tries to imitate God. He wants to be God. Uh, the beast is basically trying to imitate Christ, and the false prophet's trying to be like the Holy Spirit. So it's a false trinity that occurs. 
But the unbelieving world worships the beast who is blasphemous and destruction, just like the Babylonians bowed down to the image that Nebuchadnezzar had made, this 90-foot golden statue, probably of himself. And the world's going to return and worship the image of the beast. Revelation 14, this is a preview of the end of the tribulation. The 144,000 godly Israelites who are identified are sealed and protected during this time, and they serve as witnesses for Christ to the world. The fall of Babylon, which is symbolically the satanic system that has been in place throughout the world, is foreseen. And next, the punishment of wicked is announced. There's a preview of the battle of Armageddon, which will lead to the slaughter of the wicked who oppose Christ. As we're going to learn in a few minutes, that battle is so bad that, f- that blood is flowing for 200 miles in Israel. That is the size of my home state of New Jersey that blood is going to be flowing in. Revelation 15 and 16, we have now the bold judgments. These are the final judgments that are going to come from earth. Um, this is going to complete all the plagues. The martyrs who were killed because they accepted Christ are announced as victorious, and the final judgments come directly from God's temple. So we have bowl number one. Sores are afflicted on those who have received the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is 666. It is probably that with your social security number or some other ID that is stamped or implanted on your right hand or forehead. We have this technology available. In fact, I didn't get a bank card for a long time because you put that chip in and it instantly does the transaction. I always felt that that was the precursor to the mark of the beast. It's not the mark of the beast, but something similar is going to happen. They already have these chips they're implanting in people so they can walk into a building. The chip will open the door. The people in the building will have access to the medical records if something happens to the person. All this technology is there. And so people are not going to be able to buy or sell So the unbelievers in the world are going to go up and they are going to get that mark so they can buy and sell. And it's my opinion that the masks that we've had to wear, that the forced vaccination shots, that the lockdowns, the firing of people who did not get the COVID vaccine, dismissing them from the military, firing them from jobs, is the dress rehearsal, is the conditioning of the people in the world right now to get that mark. And if you're starving and you're not a believer in Christ, you're going to get it. Don't get the mark. If any of you are non-believers and this stuff unfolds and comes true, do not get that mark. In this case, the grievous sores come. Bowl two, the seas turn to blood. Bowl three, fresh water needed to sustain life turns to blood just like the Nile River did when Moses was in with during the reign of the Pharaoh. Bowl number four, the sun heats up and causes much pain and anguish for mankind. And this is real global warming, folks. Bowl five, darkness falls over the kingdom of the Antichrist, just like it did when Moses was in Egypt and the plagues were occurring. Bowl six, the 1,760-mile Euphrates River is dried up to allow the great armies from the east to march toward Israel for the Battle of Armageddon. We have a brief little intermission here. Um, the unholy trinity is represented by three frogs, and they are presented at this time. And a remnant of the saints, these are believers that are alive, who have not taken a mark of the beast, they're warned to watch their conduct and be prepared for Christ's return, which is his second coming. 
bowl seven is the judgment of lightning, thunder, earthquakes, and 100-pound hailstones falling on the earth. The earthquake affects the whole earth. Islands disappear, and hailstones demolish everything. And here's my opinion on why the hailstones come down and demolish everything. I believe that God is going to use those hailstones to destroy the networks, the media that floods people's minds today with pornography, with violence, with gambling, with sorcery, violent video games, blasphemy, etc. Everything that is anti-Christian, they're going to be obliterated when these 100-pound hailstones come down and devastate the cities and devastate these areas. Revelation 17 and 18, we're, getting, we're, we're moving along here. It says I got six, six minutes and 20 seconds. I don't know. It's going to be, going to be close. The harlot mentioned in chapter 17 represents the false religious systems throughout the history of mankind. They have exploited and corrupted men. They have been used to murder prophets and believers throughout the ages. The symbolism of the seven heads of the seven hills with the ten-nation federation headed by the Antichrist appears to be the revived Roman Empire, which is currently known as the European Union. The EU has its own currency called the euro, and it's now a major military, political, and economic power. We're actually getting them to start building their arms up again because of Russia's invasion on Ukraine. And ironically, the Antichrist destroys this very system that he would have backed before. In chapter 18, the destruction of commercial Babylon is carried out. Uh, Jeff Thornley came to our school in Clinton back in the 90s. I think he was doing some revelation studies here. And he talked about the city of Babylon being rebuilt. And he thought possibly the city of Babylon was where the prophecy occurs. But Iraq's kind of faded out of the picture now. A lot of scholars believe this is the United States of America because of the description that it's given of a land of many rivers and the fact that we produce wealth and we trade it all over the world. When the destruction of this Babylon occurs, the merchants of the world are going to weep because their way of gaining wealth has been destroyed. Heaven is now rejoicing over the destruction of the false religious and political systems of the earth. The marriage of Christ to the church commences with the Old Testament saints invited as the guests. After that, the return to Christ is announced. And this is different than the rapture. Remember, the rapture is when believers are caught up in the air before the tribulation period. Then the tribulation period lasts for seven years. And at the end of that seven years, Christ is coming back to rightfully take his throne. In an effort to stop him, Satan directs the Antichrist to have his armies march from the east across the dried-up Euphrates riverbed into the valley of Megiddo to wage war against the Lamb, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is called the Battle of Armageddon. It involves an army of 200 million soldiers. And by the way, China by itself could, could field an army of 200 million. And you think about China and Russia and maybe some of the others combining for this. The Lamb of God who was crucified to pay for our sins is now the vic- victor as the satanically led army is destroyed. And I mentioned that the blood flows over 200 miles also to the height of six feet. The birds of the earth are summoned to eat the flesh of these warriors who rebelled against God. And here's something else. As I was preparing this message, I turned on the news to watch the weather and they showed a great flock of birds on the eastern shore of Maryland. Along the bay, 
dispersing into the air. The birds were so thick in flight, it looked like storm clouds. And they showed that, and I thought, you know what? This backs Bible prophecy, because God's going to call the birds of the earth to, to feast on the flesh of these warriors that rebelled against him. In chapter 20, and by the way, the Antichrist and false prophet are thrown alive into the lake of fire at this point in time. In chapter 20, Satan is bound and he's placed into the bottomless pit for a thousand years, which renders him powerless to tempt people on the earth. Christ returns as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords with the saints, including those slain during the tribulation. The environment's going to be restored. Peace is going to be brought back to earth. Weapons are going to be turned into farm tools. The lion and lamb will lay down together and will not fight. And although Satan could not tempt people, I do want you to understand that human beings still have their sin nature. So not everyone is going to follow Christ. At the end of a thousand years, Christ releases Satan from the pit. You might ask why he does this. Well, those people on the earth have to make a true decision now whether they're going to follow Christ or turn against him. And unfortunately, Satan's had a thousand years to think how he could rally the non-believers. And he gets out and he rallies the non-believers to come and try to fight Christ again. So even though these people witnessed a just rule with peace, prosperity, a clean environment, everything else good, and they watch Christ rule, they're going to turn against him. They're going to seek to kill the one who already overcame death. That was Christ. He was resurrected. And at that point, Satan and his angels are thrown into hell, which was originally prepared for them when they rebelled. The white throne judgment is held in which unbelievers are judged for the rejection of Jesus Christ and for their unforgiven sins. And they're thrown into the lake of fire forever as well. In chapter 21, the new heaven and the new earth is revealed. Believers will spend eternity with their new spiritual bodies. I wonder if we're all going to look like we're 25 or 30 or 15. I don't know, but we'll have new bodies. The new Jerusalem is going to be 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles wide. It'll have 12 gates made of pure gold and 12 foundations made of precious stones. There's going to be no more sun because God will be its light. No more evil will ever be found. The environment will be perfect. There will be living water flowing from the throne, fruit, <clears throat> fruits from the trees for the 12 months of the year to be eaten. And the best thing is there's going to be no more death, no more crying, no more hunger, no more disease, no more pain. People will worship our Lord and Savior forever. And this is our great hope. In chapter 22, the book ends with the angel giving authenticity to the prophecy made by John over 1,900 years ago. It mentions that Christ will return soon. The book has been unsealed so we can know what to expect. Coming rewards are announced. Christ and his relationship to mankind is clarified. And people are warned not to add to the words of this prophecy or take away from the words of the prophecy. A very dire warning is given there. We're going to end... And I'm going a minute or two over time, but that's not as bad as some of our others that are preaching here. You know? I won't mention any names. They'll get me back later. But we're going to end this sermon with a very sober warning. Revelation 20:15. If anyone's name was not written in a book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And folks, whether you're watching online whether you're in this service right now, I want you to ask this question. Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? 
Has your name been written in the book of life? A couple verses talk a little bit further about this. A uh, verse that helped me get saved when I was uh, about eight, nine years old is Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so no one can boast. So folks, you don't have to work your way into heaven. It is a gift that you are placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your, as your Savior. And then 1 John 5, 11 to 13. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So folks, examine this today. Do you have the Son of God in your life? If you don't, you can invite him in right now. What you simply do is you say, Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me for my sins. I've messed up in life. I invite you now to enter into my life, and I'm accepting you as Lord and Savior. Simple prayer. That's all you have to do. You can say that in your seat right now. Uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to have a song. Dennis will come up and close the sermon, and at the end, the elders will be up front if you need to come up and ask us any questions or to pray to receive the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the book of Revelation. It is one of the most fascinating and also a very scary book because it tells of what is coming on earth. But I thank you that those of us who have accepted you, who have their names written in the book of life, will spend eternity with you. And I want to pray that if anyone is here or in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, that they will accept Jesus Christ as their Savior today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.